Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez. We are still recording over Zoom, but today we have people from kind of all over the state, all over northern Nevada, I should say. Um, we have our moose experts, big game biologist Cody McKee. We have Carrie Hubner, another big game biologist, and Travis Allen, who is, um, he's new to his position as big game biologist in Elko. So welcome all of you. Thank you all for coming. It's our pleasure. It's also great to have you because we have all of the different perspectives here because um, Cody's in headquarters and then Carrie, you and Travis, do you two split Elko or how does that work exactly? What area do you oversee? So I'm the game biologist for management area seven, eight, and nine, which is basically the northeastern part of our state um, in the eastern part of Elko County. And I've been the game biologist up here for about 17 years. Wow. So you're definitely not new anymore. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Been with the department for about 22 years. So I'm kind of part of the old guard. Very cool. And then Travis, you're new to your position, which is, could you explain it a little bit? Yeah, so I'm the big game biologist for the western half of Elko County, uh, specifically Area 6. And uh, I've been in Elko for a little over three years now, but um, specifically to this job only since March. So uh, pretty new here, the new guard. Very cool. Well, it's good to have all of you here get all of your perspectives. And uh, Cody, I believe it was last January. It's been a while now that we had you on to talk about moose and how we were asking the public for sightings. And um, for a while we were posting all about moose and people were sending in sightings. It quieted down a bit. And then lately we've been posting again and people go crazy over it. It makes them excited. Um, if you go to our social media, you can see all kinds of moose posts. So we wanted to get you guys back in here and just talk about the work you've been doing. So um, just one of you, I. Carrie, you might be good for this question. Um, want to explain where we're at with our moose work and exactly what we've been doing? Yeah, so we've been, um, you know, been seeing increases um, in moose observations, uh, not only on our big game surveys when we've been on our aerial surveys in the helicopter, but then, uh, you know, reports from hunters and folks that are in the field. We've just seen a really steady increase. We've had moose observations in Nevada since 1950. But in the last five, 10 years, things have just really ramped up, starting to see more, you know, cows and calves and, and that. So we have put a little bit more concentrated effort in trying to figure out how many moose we may have in Nevada. And so we have uh, taken, um, you know, public observations, our own biologist observations out doing surveys. And the, the newest project that we did um, last January was uh, Cody was... Um, great in securing some collars. And we had collars um, that we could put on cow moose. We also now have bull collars, but at the time just had uh, cow collars. And we went out with the capture crew and collared four cow moose at that time. And so we've got those um, radio collars on the moose and they send us GPS signals 
um, daily so we can see movements and it's affording us to be able to cheat a little bit um, on on where the moose are. Uh, I went out recently and followed up on one of the one of the cow moose and saw that she had had a brand new calf with her. Uh, so we posted some of those pictures. Um, maybe some of the public were, were seeing that, but pretty exciting to know that the next generation's coming. Uh, some of those cows, when we collared them in January, had young calves with them at that time. So we have moose populations that we believe are staying in Nevada long enough to reproduce. Um, the, the four that we got collared were, were kind of along the Nevada and Idaho border. And so we were getting a little bit of movement into Idaho, Idaho, but for the most part, they've been staying in Nevada. So that's kind of kind of the recent um, exciting thing is to be able to follow up on them. We're thinking that in the fall um, we'll be able to to see um, because as they get together for the rut, um, we'll probably be able to see some more bowls and get some more observations that way. That's exciting. And you cut out just a little bit there. Um, that's one of the issues with Zoom and all of us recording from home. But um, so you said in the fall, we'll be able to see, what was it? So during the fall, the, the rut will start, um, okay. the mating season at the moose. And so we should be able to follow the cows that have collars and they'll show us, you know, some of the bulls will be around at that time. Moose are, are relatively solitary, but they get together uh, during the rut. So we're kind of excited about that because we should be able to follow up on some of the bulls then as well. That is really exciting to get some of that information and be able to see some bulls. And um, I also, we did post that picture for the public to see on our Facebook and our Instagram of the cow with her calf. How does that feel to you as a biologist when you actually collared that moose, you let it go back into the wild and then to follow up and then see that she's reproducing and she had a calf with her? Is that, how does that feel for you? Yeah. It has been so exciting. You know, I've been with Endow for quite a while and it's just been so fun in this latter part of my career to see a brand new game animal kind of kind of show up on the landscape. You know, usually, um, as you guys are aware, Endow puts a lot of effort into trap and transplant programs, but this has been so exciting that the moose have just kind of chosen Nevada. Um, they, they like the habitat here. We're finding that we probably have more moose habitat than we originally thought. And so it is. It's super exciting. At first, we just thought it was a few random moose wandering through, but they certainly are setting up, um, making this their home. And it, it is just a fantastic day to go out and get to see them and, and watch them, you know, uh, raising their young and, and increasing the population. Very cool to see something like that, a growing population, especially when it's moose. That's just so cool and unexpected. I think some people, we still get comments like, wait, there's moose in Nevada? Because that was the theme when we did the podcast with Cody last time. We were basically like, "There's." could you explain this moose population in Nevada? Because it was just a weird concept to people, especially when you see those pictures of them roaming through the sagebrush. It's pretty cool. So where are our population numbers Cody, would that be a question for you? I don't know. You could probably ask Carrie or Travis or <laughs> myself, and we we might give you the same answer. I think um, with moose, uh, you know, they're re relatively uh, social or um, independent animals. Uh, they tend to isolate themselves. They're actually pretty tough to to survey and inventory. In fact, we've we've learned a lot from our other states that actually getting a specific number can be really difficult. But just based on some of the information that we have from 
the public sightings, Carrie's data and Travis's data they've collected from aerial survey and the ancillary encounters they've had there. We guess that number is probably somewhere around 50 animals. You could probably go up or, or down maybe 10 to 15. Um, but really the data we're collecting through radio collaring, um, the increased emphasis on public sightings is really going to help better inform that number and probably get us uh, closer to the true population estimate for the state. Nice. And uh, Travis. And Ashley, we, oh, I was looking at the database this morning and we have 323 individual observations of moose in Nevada in our database, but as we find um, some of those are the same moose that people see time and time again, you know, you can tell from the areas that they're at. So it's hard to know how many of those are, are seen many times and throughout the years and how many are unique observations. But um, Travis could probably speak to how difficult it can be even when you know where a moose is to find it. Yeah, because Travis, you actually had messaged me with an idea to post, do another post on social media to get some sightings just to help you even be able to locate them. Yeah, so we were potentially going to try to go out and dart one. We knew um, with so many folks being out for Fourth of July weekend that that might be a great opportunity to reach out and see if anyone had some fresh observations for us. And uh, I had an observation that I went out and uh, hiked around the Aspens in this little basin for quite a while. Um, finally found some fresh tracks, fresh fecal, um, set up camp, decided to start glassing, stayed there till dark, never saw them. And then you had sent me an email that next morning with an observation from just very shortly before I was there of that must have been the exact same moose in that, that, that brush patch there. So. Um, it really does help having that, you know, that information as, as quickly and as accurately as possible because uh, they can be tricky, if, even for how big they are. Yeah, that's, you would think that you would be able to spot a moose if it was walking through Nevada. So um, why, why are they so hard to spot? I think it's just because, um, you know, obviously the ones that come out to the road and they're, they're big and black and people can see them really easily and that's where we get the great pictures from the public. The tricky part is, uh, when I was trying to follow up on that cow and calf, is moose like deep cover. They like to be in, be in big tall willows um, in thick aspen, um, mahogany. They're, they're just, even though we've seen them out in the sagebrush, usually they're just moving from place to place. That's not where they tend to live all the time. And so um, we get a lot of their observations, but think about how many people are probably driving right by where that moose is just bedded down in the willows and, and can't be seen um, from the road so that's why it's so tricky to get a handle on how many we might have exactly I could see how that would be challenging and then how you said you get all those sightings like 300 and something uh, sightings that you guys have in your database but you don't even know if those are different moose or the same ones so kind of a tricky animal so that's why um, we're actually already running out of time for the first half of the show. But in the second half of the show, I want to talk about just how important it is for people to be helping us spot moose in Nevada and how they could do that and share their information with us. So we will get to that in the second half of the show. We will be right back after this quick break. You're listening to Nevada Wild. Get you on, long gone, just get you on. 
you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we're talking about a popular topic lately. Everyone seems to love it. It's Nevada's moose population. We love talking about Nevada's moose. People love hearing about it. So um, before the break, we were saying how we wanted to get into how important it is for people to be helping us um, by sharing their moose observations. Could one of you expand on that? Um, just the importance of people sharing their sightings with us. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, we just don't have a full grasp on where all these moose like to hang out in our state. And we have so much habitat that potentially could be moose habitat that we're not currently sure of. And um, I think that every observation that comes in um, is valuable, even if it's in a spot that, you know, we are relatively um, aware that moose spend time in there. Um, each and every one is an extra data point for us to, to learn about how they're using their habitat um, and uh, what their movements might be like and including things like, you know, uh, if it's a bull, you know, how big of a bull it is in terms of its antlers or if it's a cow, did you notice a calf, all those types of extra uh, little data inputs there really help us start to paint the bigger picture. And uh, it's really important to get this because, you know, if we have the opportunity to go out and potentially dart a moose and collar it, then we can even just gain more and more information and really start to get a better handle on, on the population at a whole. And when you say dart and collar the moose, why do you guys do that? You're doing that to, just for people, I know why, but do just to explain why you guys do that for people who aren't aware of our collaring projects. So I think Carrie talked a little bit about the, uh, the proximity of some of our moose that we caught to Idaho and Nevada and just how much or how little movement there might be between the two states of our moose populations. You know, one of the things that we want to know as biologists is how, how uh, common is it for moose to be in Nevada? Are they here year round? Are they seasonal residents? Um, how far south does that range extend? Uh, and those are all things that we can capture with this movement data. Um, you know, one of the things that we talked about earlier was um, a population estimate. And with some technologies, uh, statistical analysis products, we can use the color data to create habitat maps. And then we can extrapolate that habitat across the state to determine where all the, moose, the suitable moose habitat might be. And there's just how many moose that habitat can support. So there's a lot of purposes that we get from the color data as well as following up like Carrie did to, to assess recruitment um, and production um, as well as uh, long-term survival. So there's, there's many purposes for these, for these collaring efforts. Um, and, and really at this point, radio collars really are the gold standard for wildlife management, especially when it comes to ungulates. They just tend to be a lot more costly um, especially when it comes to purchasing the collars and deploying them in the field. Gotcha. And that goes to show um, how important you guys want to be able to collar as many moose as possible. And what's helping with that is people's, the public's input. Um, anytime they see a moose, like you guys were saying in the first half of the show, they're so hard to see. So anytime someone gets a picture of one, that's actually extremely valuable. 
So what all, you talked about it a little bit, Travis, but one, how can people report sightings? Um, who should they send that information to? Um, and two, what exactly, what is the type of information you want? A picture, a location? Um, I think we were, Travis is shaking his head. <laughs> Carrie, um, you want people to be sending you those, right? Yeah, they can, um, you know, you can call the regional offices, um, you know, ILCA would be best. They'll get that information to us. Or we have, a, you know, the website, um, on our website, we have an endow information. And if that gets sent in, those, all of that information gets forwarded to individual biologists. And so uh, we'll get that information from them there. Um, and the type of information, as Travis alluded to, was it's, it's, it's great to just know there was a moose, but if, um, if anybody gets a chance to know if it was a, a young bull or a mature bull, um, if it was a cow uh, with a calf, you know, anything like that just helps us out. Um, the cows and calves tend to be a little bit more, uh, they'll just kind of choose a habitat and, and their little home range that they use for the entire year is relatively small. But those young bulls, boy, they'll really branch out and uh, cover some ground. And so anytime we get one of those observations, that's even a little bit more valuable because it's showing how they're distributed across um, different Nevada habitats. So, so if they could just, it's, it's fine if you don't get a chance. Sometimes the moose only give you a, a quick um, peek through the, through the trees or something, and that's fine. Um, we'd appreciate that as well. But any additional information is just more of the pieces of the puzzle we can put together to figure out what's going on with our moose populations. I remember last time we were asking for GPS coordinates, if you have those pictures. So anything like that helps along with those details. Yeah, and if you don't have the GPS coordinates, just as, as good of a descriptor um, as you can, you know, a nearby mountain or something like that. Um, most of us are familiar with the area, but yeah, most people have, you know, some sort of Onyx or some sort of system on their cell phone and they can grab a coordinate and we would definitely uh, take that. But if not, it's, it's not uh, imperative that we get that um, just to general observational work as well. And you said to call Endow and then they'll be forwarded to you guys? Is that the best way to have them yeah. with those? Yeah, since most of the observations are in Elko County, probably call in the Elko office, um, which is 777-2300. Um, or they could call the main uh, Endow office line um, in Reno. And uh, both ways, I think they know to send the information to Cody and myself are the primary contacts for that. And then we're, I'm the one that's kind of coalescing all that into one database. So that information gets to us um, that way as well. And as well as probably any of our social media, uh, we try to check that anytime anybody has a moose observation on there. I usually follow up if somebody puts it on Facebook or something, um, just kind of follow up those observations. Yeah, and um, feel free. I mean, we're always saying every time we post a moose picture, we're pretty much like, have you seen one? Send them to us. So um, we, I always keep them in a folder and send them any that we get to Cody. So we're definitely keeping track of those. And it's fun for Aaron and I to see since we manage the uh, messages. It's fun when we get those messages and get to see pictures of moose and then we usually end up sharing them. So don't be shy if you bought a moose and want to share it with us. <laughs> We all want that information. Um, something you had during the break you had mentioned is just for, it's also important that hunters are aware that moose are now out there. Um, so what would you want to tell them? 
Yeah, we really want to make sure um, a few years back we had ha we have had three known mistaken um, harvest where folks didn't realize that there were moose in the area. Um, they were hunting elk, usually cow elk, and convinced themselves that they were shooting an elk when they actually shot a moose, which is concerning um, that, they, <laughs> that they didn't identify their target a little bit better. But I think people just had no idea that a moose would even be a possibility. So what we did is we put a know your target sign, came up with a sign there that shows you know, what a moose looks like, what an elk looks like, and the fact that there are moose out. And I would say your biggest chances um, of running into a moose would be area six or area seven. However, there have been observations in the Ruby Mountains and the Santa Rosas. Um, they're, they're distributed out there. So folks need to be aware that they're out there and make sure that they know their target and don't accidentally shoot a moose because one, because we don't have very many and it would be I mean, it's just, it's just not good practice to, to shoot something that obviously you don't have a tag for. So people need to just be aware they're out there, make sure they know what they're, what they're harvesting. And um, we have had one um, incident where we believe a moose was po poached as well. Um, our game wardens followed up on that. We did not end up finding out um, any more information about that particular moose, but we just really need to be careful um, uh, to make sure that we're not getting an illegal harvest uh, on the moose as they're trying to expand and, and grow their populations. So, so just uh, making hunters aware when you're in the field that moose are out there too and, and keep your eyes open for them. Exactly. Like you said, these populations are expanding. We want them to grow. Now would not be the time to um, accidentally shoot a moose. <laughs> so yeah, someday, someday we may be fortunate enough to have a moose season in Nevada, but we're not there yet. Exactly. And then while we're speaking of when people are out in the field, this goes for hunters and non-hunters. I mean, even people who stop and take a picture of a moose, um, they could actually be pretty, or is territorial the word? Or they're, they could be aggressive, right? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, a cow moose is one of the most aggressive um, animals you can encounter in the field. And, and because Nevadans aren't used to seeing moose, um, I'm not sure if they're aware of how um, dangerous they can can be. It's, you would think maybe it would be a, a bull during the rut that, that might be dangerous, but um, a, a mother moose will really protect her young and uh, you have to be very careful not to get in between them. So if, if any member of the public is out there, sees a cow moose and uh, with a calf, give it an extra wide berth. Um, don't get too close with pictures. We had an incident, it's been a long time ago, I, I think it was the early 70s, a gentleman um, had seen a young bull moose and tried to get close to take a picture. And next thing he knew, he was waking up in the hospital that that bull had charged him and, and really did some serious damage to him. So he lived to tell the tale. But yeah, people need to be need to be extremely careful. Moose can be very unpredictable. I don't think they would ever charge unprompted, but sometimes if you're in their space or they feel threatened, they definitely will defend themselves. Yeah, that's really good information. I mean, that really goes for all wildlife <laughs> when you're out taking pictures and spot wildlife. It's lucky you're seeing it, take a picture, but definitely keep your distance. And I think with moose, people picture these peaceful, big, I don't know, that's what I picture. I don't picture this aggressive animal, so very important information yeah. to keep in mind. Yeah, watch yeah. for those signals. They'll send you signals, and the first thing a cow moose will do is pin her ears down. So to people just really 
you really keep your eyes on them and watch for those signs. Definitely. Well, we're pretty much out of time. Just a couple minutes here. If there's anything else any of you have to say, now's the time. Yeah, I would. Uh, I, I kind of think it's funny. Uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, people not knowing that there's moose in Nevada. And every time we make a social media post, I'm surprised by the number of people that aren't aware. I feel like we've been so forthcoming and, and very aggressive in our social media campaigns for moose. So uh, get the word out there. There are moose in the field. And uh, if you're a hunter, be aware of your target. And if you see one, let us know. Definitely. Good points to make. I know I get shocked because I feel like it consumes anytime we get moose pictures. It's exciting. We post them. It consumes a lot of my time or I'm just very aware of it. So I get shocked to see those comments too, but there are people who don't know. So definitely spread the word. And again, be sure to report your sightings by calling our Elko office or send us messages on our Nevada Department of Wildlife Facebook page and we'll get those to the right people, which are right here in this podcast. So thank you all for being here. I appreciate it. And thank you everyone for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild. again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.